right, welcome back to the Montana Mint Sports Podcast. Once again, thank you to Laney Lou and the Bird Dogs for playing us in. We are on week, if you can believe this, Bear Tycoon, week seven of the season. Week seven. It's crazy. We did not have a season last season. We don't recognize the spring season. And the fact that we just finished week six going into week seven is mind-blowing to me. But it is very good to very good to be here, and I think we now have some clarity over kind of the top of the Big Sky Conference. But Nate, it was a, it was an awesome week of football. It was, and it it gets uh, you know for for Montana State fans, uh, it gets us to the real part of the schedule, the meat of the schedule. Uh, for Grizz fans, they escaped uh, a, basically a D2 school with a victory, so it was a successful weekend all the way around uh, for the Montana schools. Uh, but going into that Montana State game, number 10, Montana State was hosting the punching bag, the actual Big Sky school that's the punching bag of the Big Sky so far this year. You know, we played the Dixies, the San Diegos, the Drakes, the – who else is there? Anything from the Pioneer League, basically. I've been the out-of-conference punching bags. Cal Poly, now the in-conference punching bag uh, for the rest of the Big Sky. Montana State finished up their preseason expected easy part of their schedule on Saturday with a 45-7 win against Cal Poly and Bozeman. While the game started a bit slower than what most expected with MSU leading only 7-0 after the first quarter, Montana State rounded off 28 second-quarter points behind three Isaiah Fonse touchdowns two on the ground and one on the receiving end, and then an electric 74-yard run by the pride of Butte, Tommy Malott. The Malott run was super impressive as he hit a massive hole and then outran the whole Cal Poly secondary for the touchdown. He is a threat to break one every time he touches the ball, and he is so fun to watch. He kind of reminds me of the Sulcer of the Montana State Bobcats. The Cats went into their brand-new locker rooms up 35 to nothing at half. And then with mostly reserves playing the game in the second half, presumably in preparation for the Weber State game this week, the Cats' defense held strong. They got another pick six, this time from Callahan O'Reilly to get seven more on the board, seven more on the board in the third. Cal Poly did manage to get something on the board with a 17-yard run by Shakobi Harper, but that was all they could manage against Montana State's defense. The Cats held Cal Poly to only 45 yards through the air as the Mustangs reverted back to their running ways. And it was really no contest. It was an easy win for the Cats. Much like we thought it was going to be, they get into the meat of their schedule. 3-0 in conference. 5-1 overall with their only loss being to FBS Wyoming. You couldn't ask for a better way to go into the Weaver State game this weekend. You could not ask for a better way to go into the Weber State game. Montana State, um, look, I all season was joking about, I wish that Northern Colorado was going to come in 3-1. and one. It's going to be a tough game. The McCaffrey system, head coach, offensive coordinator, slash fighter, slash uh, other son who's a quarterback, was going to come in with a lot of power, that this was going to be something the Bobcats had to worry about. But at the end of the day, it's like Montana State's home schedule is cake. Northern Colorado is cake. This was a game that a good team should blow out, and Montana State blew them out. This is exactly what you needed to happen. It wasn't close at any point during the game. And, yeah, man, the Cats should feel very, very good about the outcome of this game. Yeah, Montana State, uh, 
they, I mean, their defense has been their calling card so far. I mean, their offense is putting up a ton of points. I mean, it is granted it's against not the best competition. As the only team in the FCS that they have played in the top 200 of the Sagarin is Portland State right now. So a lot of tune-up yep. games. But Montana State's defense right now, they're leading the conference in scoring defense, only allowing 11.2 a game. Total defense, only allowing 270 yards a game. And pass defense, only allowing 152 yards per game. So leading the big sky in all three of those categories, which is actually pretty impressive when you can do that with every one of those metrics. And Matthew McKay actually leading the FCS in quarterback efficiency with like 190. He only has one interception on the year. He's doing everything that Montana State wanted a quarterback to do. He can make plays, but he's also not going to force the ball. He had 14 14 completions, 163 yards, and two touchdowns on Saturday against Cal Poly, but he really didn't need to do much. Uh, Casey Bauman came in uh, basically most all of the second half uh, to save Matt McKay, Matthew McKay for the Weber State game. But an interesting note um, – well, not an interesting note yet. That's coming up next. But it was an interesting game as nothing really jumped off the stat sheet about Montana State's performance. Uh, but I think getting through this game without a major letdown or any injuries uh, was really the goal. And then kind of the sad stat of the night, Cal Poly, just a bad football team, obviously. They've been outscored 220 to 73 this year through their first six games. 220 so to 73. Now, granted, they have played a – they weren't a top 25 team at the time, but Fresno State of the FBS, who ended up being in the top 25, and have played four teams that have spent time in the top 25 between the Grizz, Weaver State, Montana State, and South Dakota. They've played a, a gauntlet of a schedule, but have showed zero fight in any of those uh, five wins that they had. They actually beat San Diego, which just shows you the talent level that San Diego was or is this year. But Cal Poly, Bo Baldwin – just we've talked about it before. It's sad humiliated. story for Bo. Sad, sad story. He goes from a national champion at Eastern Washington, goes over to the Pac-12 at Cal to be their, I think it was their offensive coordinator, I would assume, or if I remember right, and then decides to yep. come down to Cal Poly and try and rebuild the Mustangs program. And uh, just a brutal start to his tenure down in San Luis Obispo. So I have to think that Bo Baldwin got – one, a a promise of like, we're going to give you four or five years to get this program back on track. We're going to transition from a triple option offense into a regular offense. Like, I think he has a long leash. So if I were him, this seems like a good option. Great city, a big school with a lot of resources. Um, and I think probably I would I'd be shocked if he left uh, beyond before four years in the program. I think he probably got a five year le- uh, leash from the school. Um, but going to the going to the Bobcats. So uh, there's been a lot of talk, people online, people we know talking about the Bobcats having a weak schedule. And, you know, the fact that, oh, yeah, they're winning, but they're putting up these big numbers, but it's against really weak opponents. Um you play the schedule you're given, number one. Number two, the Bobcats aren't just like squeaking by these opponents. They are dominating these opponents, just looking at the scores. So they lost to Wyoming week one, FBS Wyoming. They have since won games, 45-7, 52-10, 30-17 Portland State at Portland State. That was a bit of an anomaly, but still two touchdown win. 47, 45, 7. Like, that, those are just ass kickings. Yeah. Like, Montana State has played weak opponents, but what do you do against weak opponents? You dominate them. That is what they've done. Montana State should feel very, very good about this. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, 
you know, like you said, they're doing exactly what they need to do. And for the most part, um, you know, there have been a few injuries here and there. Coy Steele being one of them. Um, who knows yep. when he's going to come back. Uh, they've gotten out of it with, you know, their their big-time players, Lance McCutcheons, Isaiah Fonses, Elijah Elliott, Matthew McKay, um, and, you know, all the guys in the trenches with a pretty good track record. I mean, just out of it with hardly any injuries, which has been fantastic going through six games like that uh, where you don't want to lose someone. Uh, going into these major, this major part of your season. So I think everything uh, up to this point, I still feel like the Cats really haven't played a conference game yet. I know that they are 3-0 in conference, yep. which is fantastic. Like, hey, great, we got almost like a three-game head start as we hit the harder spot, harder part of our schedule. But, but you have not played that top half of the conference. Yeah, not played the top half of the conference. So this Weber State game that comes up is going to be the one that I like kind of officially – think of as being a conference game and one that I'm going to be nervous going into Friday morning, Friday afternoon, yes, try and get through work. Yes, you should be work. nervous. Uh, but it's going to be fun. Yep. One side note before we go on to any other game. I was noticing the Cal Poly player that scored the touchdown. Uh, he's a redshirt sophomore, Shakobi Harper. So I was doing the math on this. He graduated high school in 2018, so presumably he was born in 1999 or 2000, right? Yeah. are doing the math, right? I think we're doing the math. That sounds right. So I went back and yeah, looked at the right. uh, the NBA champions in in 2000 and 2001, Los Angeles Lakers, right? Okay. Now, he is from Long Beach, went to Mater Dei High School down there. With a name like Shakobi, what are the odds that he yes. was named after Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe O'Brien, and their NBA championship in 2000? 1,000%. Yeah, that's a that sick That is name. a Shakobi 1,000%. That is, they they influence the naming of him. So he sure. so we got his name at Shakobi, sick name, awesome name. He has two brothers. One of his brothers Great is name. one of his brothers. His name is Tank, <laughs> and then the other brother's name is Chris. <laughs> Chris, he was either the like first or the last. He was either like the oldest brother, and they were like, let's do some cooler names, or he was the youngest brother. And like, let's just go with uh, Chris, Shakobi, Shakobi, Tank, <laughs> and Chris, Chris. Christopher. Christopher. But still cool. Oh. Cool name. Yeah, cool. really great. So so are you comfortable, I'm assuming, yes, like, we can completely write Cal Poly off. Oh, right? like yeah. These guys, if you look at the standings right now, Cal Poly. We could have written them out of, they're not going to make the playoffs. No. We could have wrote them off months we or weeks we ago. We would have wrote them off when they quit Before the season, season even started. But, I mean, this is... This has not gone well for Bo Baldwin. No. I mean, we could have wrote them off when they quit last season. We could have written them off when they only beat San Diego by like seven or eight in that first game. Uh, I mean, they're 0-3 conference. They're tied with Southern Utah for the bottom of the conference right now. They're both one. I mean, they're tied for the bottom of the conference in both conference record and overall record at one and five. You know, they, like I said, they did play, they have played some pretty tough teams in Montana, Weaver State, Montana State. Next, they go to Davis, who's probably going to be looking for a revenge game. They're going to get absolutely slaughtered. It's not this weekend. Yeah, Davis needs day, a win. Next weekend. Uh, and then they do kind of, they get Portland State, Sac State, Idaho State, NAU to maybe give them like some semblance of hope that they might get a win this year in the Big Sky Conference. But uh, just brutal, brutal for Coach Ball. And he deserves better than this. Uh, you know, 
you think about the other coaches who went FBS in any capacity and then came back down, you know, how went head coach and I think special teams and coordinator at San Diego and then came back. At least yeah. he got the Grizz to come back to. A down Grizz program for Grizz standards coming off of the Stitt years. But Bo Baldwin goes, you know, national champion at a, at a Big Sky, an amazing, a great Big Sky football program, goes over to Cal in a Pac-12. Yeah. You just don't expect the guy to come back down and have to completely rebuild a program out of the triple option like Cal Poly. So just, we, we actually feel sad for Bo, Bo Baldwin. I do. I want him to do well. I want, look, I want everyone to do well. I want everyone to be happy. I want everyone to, to get a lot of wins in the Big Sky Conference, to get a lot of teams in the playoffs. Bo Baldwin, I'm glad to have him back. I think Cal Poly would be a fun team if they actually became like substantive in the Big Sky Conference. But Looking at the wrestler's schedule, and now that they're beyond the Grizz and the Bobcats, I this is probably going to be the last time we spend a lot of time talking about them. You know, Bo Baldwin needs to have a signature win yeah. this year going into next year. Like, you have to have something to improve. So, the spring, you canceled partway through the season. You quit. This fall, mm-hmm. the only thing right now, they have a win against San Diego. Okay, no one's going to be excited about that. Players aren't going to be hyped about that. The remaining games that you have, UC Davis, Portland State, at Sac State, Idaho State, NAU. Players are not going to care about Portland State, Idaho State, or NAU. So Cal Poly knows that they need to, and Bo Baldwin knows that they need to have a win against UC Davis or at Sac State where they can kind of hang their hat on this was, this was what happened in the fall. Here's what we were able to do against a playoff team, a fringe playoff team going into 2022. You know, we, we have something to build on, but it is their schedule stuff. I would, I would still, I, I think we each pick them to have one win at the end of the year. I would still probably stick with that one win yeah. prediction, but I think Cal Poly, they need to pull something out. Otherwise, like what, what is the point of your program? If you if you can't compete against in these next five games, what is the point of your program? Oh yeah, yeah, and it's tough. I mean, it's going to be tough to recruit down there. Recruits are going to see what you're doing. I mean, it's so hard to pull yeah. yourself out of the basement of this conference, and it's sad because Cal Poly at one point, even before they came to the Big Sky Conference, was a team that was strong in the FCS. And I, I don't get how you even rebuild in yeah. the FCS when you have teams like Sac State, UC Davis in in the same state as you who are better poised to make a playoff run, whether it be this year or any time in the future, you have to totally rebuild Cal Poly. And I just don't get how you do that in that location. It's, it's going to be tough. And then, you know, you're not getting any of the PAC 12 talent or the mountain West talent. Cause you have a million universities in California. It's just a tough spot to try and rebuild a program. It's tough, but it's also like you look at someone like Davis or, uh, Sac State. It's like, if these guys can do it, we can do it. If True. if Troy Taylor is enough to turn around Sac State, why isn't Bo Baldwin in a more desirable location? Yeah. Right? Like, if Dan Hawkins flamed out of uh, Colorado, right? Is that where he went? He yeah, went he Boise Colorado. State to Colorado. Yep. Colorado. Flamed out. He's now at UC Davis. Like, why not Bo Baldwin? It's, it's a better location than the other three of them. They're recruiting from the same pool, but... They one of those three schools has to offer the FCS answer. What someone like San Diego can't do is offer a scholarship. These guys all can, um, but like, what is what is the like who? What is your what is your pitch to 
the local talent. And right now they're getting their lunches ate by the other schools. Yeah. I um, mean, that shouldn't, that doesn't necessarily need to be the case. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad down there in SLO, San Luis Obispo. But, you know, yeah, it's a win. Uh, Cats get the win. We're going on. Speaking of pretty bad. Yeah, let's go to good segue. Yeah, speaking of pretty bad. So, um, listen, folks, eyes in a dark place for the first couple quarters of this Montana Dixie State game. We talked about the game last week. This was supposed to be an ass-kicking by the Grizz. Uh, final score, ass-kicking. Very happy by a 17-point victory. Um, at halftime, 3 nothing Grizz. And we can try to justify this in a lot of ways, right? It's like we have a new quarterback in, um, um, and, and that is it's tough to get a new quarterback in real like FCS play uh, and get your system up to speed. Um, we can try to justify it as like, well, Dixie State's moving up and yeah, like they're getting their butt speed in the FCS, but, um, you know, they're, they're still in the FCS program and, you know, they are, they got a lot of talent. They, you know, they're viewing the Grizz as their Super Bowl this year. Um, you can try to justify it, but three, nothing against a Dixie State team who stinks. They're not good. They are one of the worst FCS programs we have come across in our uh yeah since we started this podcast yeah. several years ago three nothing at halftime is worrisome yeah the at fact home that too. In, in, <laughs> at home look a win is a win is a win is a win is a win in the fcs if you beat an fcs team that's all that matters and i think one of the uh negatives that has come along with gambling kind of you know uh, becoming more mainstream and people talking about it is that the lines that are set in games kind of set the tone for disappointment or excitement after a victory. The Grizz were 39-point favorites going into this game. I think when when Montana Parlay sent around the lines, it was 39.5, Grizz favored over Dixie State. So the fact that they only won by 17 points. The fact that they only were leading at any point during the game by 24 points. It's easy to kind of like suck in as a, as a fan and absorb this, like, well, this is a disappointment because we did not meet the expectations set by the market. However, I, I, I strongly believe that a win is a win. And you can look at like opponents. You can look at, all sorts of stuff, but a win is a win. And going into the fourth quarter, in the fourth quarter, the Grizz were up 24 to zero. And against any other team receiving scholarships at your level, that's an accomplishment. That is something, God bless you, Nate. That is something that, that, and God bless you, Montana Grizzlies, for winning the game. But that is something that 24 nothing is impressive. Dixie State got a couple touchdowns. Final score, 31-14. That's all fine. And like yeah, the final score is not what we want it to be when you compare it to their other opponents. It's not where we want to be. But a win is a win. The Grizz, with a new quarterback, came in, dominated this game. And you know, it, it's, I'm, I won't say I'm happy about the outcome, but I will say I'm comfortable-ish going into Sac State because of this outcome. Yeah, I mean, I think... <clears throat> I don't know if I'd be... If I was a Grizz fan, I don't think I would be happy or comfortable with it, I would be just glad to get out of this game with a win, like you were saying. But yes. if you look at it, so 
they played Dixie State again, a punching bag uh, of the Big Sky, and they stink. The Missouri Valley. They played one Missouri Valley team, but they have two games where it was like I wouldn't even call it. I mean, the Sac State game was nineteen to seven, twelve point win. The Grizz game, seventeen point win. But the other three against top. They've all been in the top ten at some point this year. They lost to Weber forty-one to three. They lost to Dixie. Or they're sorry. They lost to Davis sixty to twenty-seven, and they lost to South Dakota State uh, fifty-five to seven. Every one of those games on the road, except for Sac and Weber. Um, like the other teams at the top of the FCS, put a beat down on Dixie State. I get that the Grizz were coming in with a, a new quarterback. They got the win. It was. It ended up being seventeen. But to have that game be three to nothing. Um, shows that there just may be some issues with that Grizz offense looking at what the other teams, say for Sac State, were able to put up uh, on this team. Now, if you're asking for the perfect game to get your new quarterback and Chris Brown ready for the rest of the big sky, fantastic time to have Dixie State come to town. Because I don't know if you get away with that yeah. if you're playing. I mean, if, you're, if, if it was Sac State last week, I think that would have been a really, really interesting game in terms of – what could the what would the Grizz have done with that kind of offensive output and that kind of just gameplay against a team that's not in the two hundreds of the Sagarin rankings? But that's a hypothetical, and it didn't happen. And they got the win against Dixie. But I think just seeing this game and seeing it three nothing at half and seeing it thirty one to fourteen at the end gives, I mean, a little bit of hope for other opponents coming in to play the Grizz to see that they're not this. You know, they knocked out Washington at the beginning of the year, but and and, uh, and they had some pretty impressive. They've had pretty impressive wins. Uh, only loss to an FCS team is is the Eastern game, but I think it does give a little bit of confidence going into other teams seeing that score. And if they do look at the box score and see that it was three nothing and half against Dixie, they can come into Washington Grizzly or play them on the road uh, and have a shot at yep. this team. They're not going to go in there, you know, just thinking it's going to be a blowout. They're not thinking they're going in there without any hope, which I'm assuming most teams don't outwardly say that they would think that they didn't have any hope. But it just one, to me, just gives some of the teams that are coming up on their schedules a little bit of a glimmer of realistic hope that they could knock off the Grizz. And it was something that, and I know we're going back to Montana State, I can't talk crap about a shitty opponent and, and how you do against them. Montana State's played nobody uh, this year. But like we've talked about, they blew out everybody and showed that if you're a bad team coming to their house, that they're probably going to, you know, kick your ass. The Grizz didn't just didn't quite do that in this game, so maybe we're just trying to compare what Montana State's done to their opponents to what the Grizz have done against their, you know, against right. this opponent. And that's not always right, you know. Like I think Mike Nugent said it. Coaches have different philosophies when they get up, or you know, coaches have different philosophies when they're going against a, a team like Dixie State. So it's really hard to kind of do that transitive yeah. property, but still, this just seems like there so, may be some hope for teams ahead on the Grizz schedule. Yeah, I look from this game. I, I think that's I think that I think that's fair and look. I I definitely watched this game, the first half of this game very closely. Nate, I'm assuming you watched this game closely. Um if there's any Grizz fan who can tell you with a straight face they were not worried at halftime, they're lying to you. 3 nothing against Dixie State is an embarrassment. And it really felt like God, I, like when Montana when Montana beat North Dakota State a few years ago and then lost like a close game to Liberty and Liberty was supposed to be decent, right? And then they lost a game to Cal Poly. It's like, well, that's a disaster. It was just like it felt like that 03 down or I'm sorry, up 30 
on Dixie State just felt like we are going to just revert back to like, we're going to have one embarrassing loss, two embarrassing loss on our schedule at the end of the year. And that's just who the Grizz are. They ended up winning, but at halftime, every Grizz fan I know was worried by that score. You just couldn't be. Yeah. And you know, Dixie, you must have been, Dixie you must with... have been thrilled. You were oh, thrilled yeah. at that score at halftime. 100% thrilled about that score. And I mean, it even gives, I, I mean, I think the way everybody was talking, I mean, they were saying, you know, how we talked about everybody was saying Frisco or bust for the Grizz earlier this year. You and I both, you know, talked about Well, you were saying that. that, you and that anonymous <laughs> Twitter but, profile, yes. But, you know, I did. I like seeing, you know, the Grizz struggle. I like seeing, um, you know, their defense is still going to be strong against a team like Dixie, but to see the offense not humming as a, uh, as a rival, yeah, I wasn't mad about that. You know, Dixie had a chance to take a lead. They were down at the Montana four in that first quarter, and then they threw an interception in the yeah. end zone. Uh, you know, Dixie could have been up in this game. And can you imagine what everybody looking at Big Sky uh, <laughs> scoreboards on their phone or if they're at games seeing uh, the Grizz on the up, or Grizz well, down we'll get to it. Three. Oh, yeah. That would have been crazy. It would have felt a lot like that uh, Idaho State UC Davis game this weekend. Just yeah. like an absolute shock. Yeah. Like there's there's been very few times this season, I think, Montana over Washington was a shock. I think that Northern Arizona beating Arizona was a shock. Everything else this season has seemed at least somewhat plausible, right? Even the other FBS wins. It's like, yeah, I could see Davis beating Tulsa. I didn't even realize Tulsa was the FBS school. UNLV stinks. Eastern Washington beating them. It's not like this huge surprise. The the three shocks so far this year have been Montana, Washington, um, Northern Arizona over Arizona, and then this game this weekend with Davis over Idaho, or I'm sorry, Idaho State over Davis. Yeah, it's unreal. <laughs> Isn't you know, Idaho State's such a weird team. Like they almost beat yes. Sacramento at home. Uh, I think yep. that game didn't go to overtime. It was 23-21, so they almost beat Sac at home. Then they go to NAU, who just got done losing to Northern Colorado, if I'm not mistaken, and they lose to NAU 48 to 17. So they're looking like yeah. a basement dwelling team. I mean, they are looking like worse than they're worse than NAU and probably worse than uh, UNC. Yeah. Then they get back home. They were they were my last. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they were last of my power. They were two weeks ago. They were last of mine as well. Yeah. Then they get Davis at home. I think the spread was 16 and a half. I jumped all over that when I saw that on my on my app. You jumped on Davis. I jumped on Davis. I'm yeah minus yes. 16 and a half. I was like I think yeah. Davis wins by like 21, 24, whatever. Yep. Uh, Montana Parlay says he jumped over Idaho State. And I'm going. What are you? What are you talking about? I'm so confused why you would do that. You know, we had some inside yeah. information going into that game that Hunter Rodriguez, we knew like on Wednesday of last week that Hunter Rodriguez was starting yes. that game just from some Before of the, the sources, came out. some of the sources that we have just around the greater yeah. Sacramento and Davis area. Um, so we knew he was going to play out. I, I didn't understand why Parlay would be all over him. You know, he said, you know, maybe Davis isn't that good on the road and Idaho State's sneaky good at home. And I didn't still didn't get what the hell he was talking about because they had 0-2 at home. Well, yep. somehow he was right. Davis gets crushed 27-17 to by the Idaho State Bengals. Davis was a top-10 team. And you're right. This is one of those shocks of the early Big Sky Conference season that really, and it's probably with our dumb brains, is really going to make us think that Davis sucks now for the rest of the year. So it really, so I've said over and over and over during this podcast that there is like this 
tier system in the big sky. And like, I just believe in it. There's a top five, which was Montana, Montana state, Eastern Weber and Davis. There is a bottom tier that includes basically everybody. And then this middle tier where Sac state sits with Davis's loss last weekend against Idaho state. And in a game where Davis had their starting quarterback, where, you know, there was nothing like weird about like a COVID situation or anything where they got handled um, and they scored late to make that game even closer than it seemed. It's just, it is a, it's, it's, it's jarring. Like UC Davis, I now kind of consider in that middle tier yeah. with Sac State. Like if Davis played Sac State tomorrow, I, I think it would, it would be a, a pick em if Vegas had anything to do with it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I was looking at, I didn't get to watch most of this game, but you know, Idaho State scored in all four of its trips inside the red zone. So when you're getting, when you're scoring hundred yep. percent of the time, when you get in the red zone, that's amazing. And they had two interceptions in the red zone as you see Davis was driving. That's a massive swing when you're scoring, when you get the red zone, uh, when they're not, they were up 24 to three at halftime. Yes. I mean, it was not close yes. in that first half. Uh, Hunter Rodriguez, yeah. you know, Davis scored yeah. 14 points, yep. 14 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And it was, you know, Hunter Rodriguez did get the team within, they, I think there was 27 to 17 with right around seven minutes to go. He had a 17 yard yep. touchdown run. Our boy, he's healthy. This was not his fault, by the way, in any way, shape, or size. Nope. This was his receivers. He did everything he could. His receivers probably ran the wrong routes in the red zone. It happens. This was not on Hunter Rodriguez. And if anybody says that it was, then they don't know football. But, uh, yep. you know, your boy. Great point, Nate. You know, thank you. And UC Davis didn't get the ball back, though, after he got them to within 10. So they ran out the clock. Idaho yep. State ran out the clock on a 13-play, 6-minute, 50-second drive to end the game. Wow. That's how you close a game out. It's how you close the game out, and we – so not us. You and I knew Idaho State was going to stink. We love Coach Fennessy, but we just knew going into this year, we never considered them frisky, while others considered Idaho State frisky. Um, I feel like this game kind of shows that they, you know, they're not awful. They're not Southern Utah awful. They're not Cal Poly awful. Yeah. Um, that they do have talent, and if you catch a team at this right moment, they can they they can pull out a win. But it just it it, it really was. I mean, UC Davis was not like this mid tier Big no. Sky Conference team. They were they were number seven in the country going into this game. They were number seven in the number country. Seven like, I don't in think... the country. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, it's it's shocking. It it, if... it it really was like neither of us watched this game, but it was following the score, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. And it, you're right. Like in the fourth quarter, going into the fourth quarter, Idaho stayed up 24 to three. They got a couple more touchdowns like they, but it, it was never close being down. The final score being 27, 17 is deceptive to the overall game because Idaho state just absolutely rolled them. Yeah. And so it's kind of, so I was thinking about this, like in MBS terms, uh, if this upset happened, like, this, now, today, this week, the two Sagard rankings for these two teams uh, is Idaho, or I'm sorry, UC Davis is 132. Idaho State is 190. Okay. If my math is right, that's 58 spots different. So, okay. UC Davis was, okay, I think that's right. UC Davis was number seven in the country going in to that game. 
Right now, Penn State on the Sagarin rankings is number seven. If I add, did I say 58 or – I said 58, I think, right? 56. Which one was yep. it? That's it. We'll say 56 just because I can't remember if I, which one I said. So if we add 56 to seven, what do we get? 63. Four. Four. 63. <laughs> that would have been like Central Florida <laughs> getting Penn State at home and beating them. Actually, guess what? You know who's number 64? Let's say 64 for the fun of it. North Dakota State is number 64. That would have been like North Dakota State hosting Penn State and knocking them off. I mean, that, that would have been a massive upset that we would have been talking about yeah. in terms of a team with that big of difference and just kind of how they're analytically rated. This was a big deal for Idaho State to yeah. knock them off. Winless going against the number seven team in the country and knocking them off. Huge, huge win for Idaho State. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. We looked at we looked at uh, uh, Cal Poly about like what is the game going forward that they're going to hang their hat on and like this is going to motivate them for next season. If you're Coach Fantasy, you just knocked off number seven UC Davis. You're going, you're presumably going to this off season with like some disappointment, not having a winning record. Um, you point to that UC Davis game. It's like, look, guys, we are not far away from cracking the top of the conference. We are. We can compete with these guys, and we're a few bad breaks away. Yeah, and, and that's our message going in. Um, and it, it, that that true, like that really means that means a lot to to the program and to the players. Yeah. And if you know if this Idaho State team plays well at home, which you know they only lost to Sac State by two, and, and played them insane. I mean, it was that was a the that was a very even game. Like obviously, someone had to win. Yeah. And Sac State winning by two, they played them pretty evenly there, obviously, and then beating UC Davis. Luckily, Montana State gets them in Bozeman because if this is the if, if if Idaho State is this much of a home team and they play that much better at home, I'm glad the Cats have them uh, in Bozeman. But right. then the game after right, that, right, right. so they go to Bozeman, but then they get Weber at home after the Cats. Now we never thought that this was going to be a tough game for Weber when we kind of previewed the season or looked at everything. If Montana State can knock off Weber, and Idaho State is really this strong at home, that's another game on Weber's schedule. That got a little bit more interesting than anybody ever thought at the beginning of the year. But this is all, I mean, this is obviously all oh, just yeah. kind of a, is this a trend or not? Because that is their next home game is Weber. They go two two straight games on the road against Portland State, Montana State, and then they get Weber back home. It'll be really interesting to see if that trend is real or if it's just kind of two, uh, such a small you know data point of two games that it's nothing. But could be interesting when Weber comes uh, over to Pocatello. Yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, there is there's a there's a handful of games on the schedule in the Big Sky Conference where you can look over them. Idaho State is not one of those games, and Weber State, with the schedule that they chose, the schedule that they played, where they've ended up this year, like Idaho State, you can't count that as a win. Like I'd rather play San Diego and Drake ten times in a season than play Idaho State. Oh yeah. For sure. Well, you know, we, we have a really good friend, um, you know, who always says anything can happen in the big sky, and it usually does. And this was a prime <laughs> example of anything can happen in the big sky yeah. and usually does. Yeah. Well, speaking of something Absolutely. that doesn't this happen is... in the big sky anymore, Northern Colorado winning. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, boy. Northern Colorado wants to be competitive in the big sky so bad. It's so funny. It is. They have a drop-down quarterback from the Big Ten, an all-time Denver, Denver Bronco uh, head coach and a former XFL player um, who's their offensive coordinator and does a lot of fan outreach. 
uh, better than any other offensive coordinator in the conference yeah. we're seeing. <laughs> Their hometown newspaper, the Greeley Tribune, tries to speak like an upset win into existence by continually previewing their games that they have no business winning with this like just irrational optimism. I've, I've tweeted about it a few times. They say that this Northern Colorado team has the ability to, if not outright upset a top 25 team, at least to limit their output and make a game of it. It's really almost getting sad at this Every point. Every week. Every week they write about this. It's almost getting sad at this point. Yeah. After losing the previous week to MSU 40-7, to they get Eastern Washington at home and get absolutely steamrolled 63-17. to <laughs> Is this not the weirdest year for us to talk about Northern Colorado? Like, is it just because it's the McCaffreys? Is it because, like... They actually won yeah. a couple games before December. Like, what is it that makes this year and Northern Colorado so weird? So, it's just, it is, since we've been doing this podcast, there has never been a hint of optimism around Northern Colorado. Right? Yeah. Like, we we never They're a laughing stock the of the conference. <laughs> they never put anything out where it's like, oh, they got something going. This year, going into it, it went from like intriguing how uh, the McCaffreys could influence the team to kind of obnoxious how they assumed they were going to dominate a top tier FCS league. And I thought they were going to be better than they were. I thought they're going to, like I said, go into the cat game uh, up three, one, yeah. or I'm sorry, with their record three, one. Um, I think they came in two and two, the cats handled them. That was not a tough game. Um, the fact that they got absolutely rolled by Eastern Washington is hilarious to me. And I think it's somewhat like the Urban Meyer situation where it's just like, I right, man, yeah, like you're a good coach. Like you clearly you have some talent. We're just not, I'm just like, I, I'm over kind of talking about you until you prove something. And yeah. the McCaffrey's haven't proven anything. And one of my favorite stats uh, about this game, I mean, the fact that it was at one point, Towards the end of the the first half, it was forty three to three, and yeah. then Northern Colorado got a, got a, a touchdown. But it looked like it was going in halftime, up forty points. The better stat of all of this is that the very first play of the game. Okay, Dennis Merritt ran for one yard to the north Northern Colorado four yard line. That's the very first play of the game according to ESPN's uh, win probability chart. But the very first mention of the game. Eastern Washington had a 94.4% chance of winning. And that was their worst chance of winning the entire game. It just went up from there. One second into the game, 94.4 never got any worse. It is just, I want, I want Ed McCaffrey to do well. I want them to do well because hopefully as a Broncos fan, I have an opportunity to like talk with him about the mid to late nineties Broncos. Um, But take his pedigree out of it. It's just like, yeah, man, it's hard to win in the Big Sky Conference. You can't come in with two players who couldn't cut it in the F- in the FBS, come down to the FCS, and have it be a cakewalk. And it's just it's very satisfying to have that feeling confirmed. Yeah, and I and I think I mean, yeah, and Ed McCaffrey came into the season out as he was coaching high school, had never had any FCS or FBS experience in terms of coaching. And, you know, Montana State played – we're going to keep going back to this – a really 
bad out-of-conference schedule in terms of the teams they were playing and have gotten a cakewalk of their first yep. few games. But Coach Vegan had a idea of the FCS, how it goes, the talent of the players, the speed of the game. He was at North Dakota State, won championships. Then he went down to Wyoming and obviously yes. coached there. But he has an idea that when – you know, cats get to these Weaver games, Eastern games, Montana games, what the talent level actually is at the top level of the FCS. McCaffrey went through Lamar, Houston Baptist, and NAU. And I don't think really had an idea of what was to come when they had to go to Bozeman and then host Eastern Washington. Great point. I don't think he had any idea of what a top 10 team, which the cats, I don't think, I think they were 11 when they played that game, but you know, now a top 10 team, uh, we're like in the FCS, yep. and it shows in just in the way that these two games were lopsided. I mean, Eastern Washington didn't even have Lemu Jones. Uh, they had three touchdowns by Barry Arier, three touchdowns by Dennis Merritt. It was like you were talking about, it was 22 3 at the end of the first quarter, 43 yeah. 10 at the half. And Eastern Washington also, I think, I think Northern Colorado got a little bit of a beatdown in that second half, too, because Eastern was not going to let the Western Illinois game. The, what happened in that Western Illinois game, come back and do this game where they yes, like just exactly. took the foot off the pedal. Yeah. Western, I mean, Eastern or Northern Colorado was definitely not going to get back in the game. But Western Illinois kind of ruined a day for Eric Barrieri where he had a record first half and then everybody was just talking about how they almost gave that game up. Eastern was not going to let yep. that happen here. And I think Northern Colorado was the unfortunate uh, <laughs> the punching bag here for them making sure that there was literally no time to take that foot off the gas pedal. Yeah, I mean, sixty-three to seventeen is a hilarious outcome. One that is, yeah, it's, it's bad. That is the laugh out loud family. Um, you want to know a little yeah, interesting is, note? Yeah, interesting note that you really have to dig deep to do, and I obviously did. Um, but so in an otherwise you know uninteresting game, uh, Northern Colorado did limit Eastern Washington to under five hundred yards of total offense uh, a week after Eastern or a week after uh, Eastern Washington got over five hundred and forty. Nope, I read that stat wrong. We're going to start that over. So Eastern Washington, Northern Colorado. Yeah, let's see Northern again. Colorado. Jerry, take this Yeah, out. that was bad. Um, I think I even wrote down the stat wrong. No, I didn't. Okay, <laughs> so Northern Colorado limited Eastern Washington to under 500 yards of total offense a week after Northern yeah. Colorado gave up 540 to Montana State. Okay. So Montana State gained okay. 540. Eastern Washington didn't even get to 500. Eastern put up 538 yards against that vaunted Montana Grizz defense a couple weeks back. So now we can confidently say that the Bears defense is better than the Grizz defense. Oh, interesting. Interesting point. Thank you. It took me a while to get there. Like It took me probably a minute and a half to get to that point, but there's no way you can argue that, that the Bears defense, they've talked about it. And I think that They've the one thing the we can agree on, yeah, one thing we can agree on looking at the math, looking at all of this, is that Montana State playing Weber State this weekend is the lock of the century. Montana State, with the numbers that we've been highlighting, their defense, their offense, they are unstoppable. So if you got a few bucks in your pocket, you want to make a lock of the century, put it all on Montana State based on Nate's research, my guarantee, yes. the Bear Tycoon guarantee, my God, the Cats are the lock, lock of the year. Um, you must be feeling pretty good. They're great. They, they don't have an FCS well, that, loss. You should feel thrilled. I am. That was My stat was more about the Grizz defense than Montana State's offense, though. 
Mm, okay. Well, either way, lock of the year. <laughs> a couple, a couple of quick notes on Eastern. This is something that I, I had no idea could be true with the success that they've had, and it probably comes from playing FBS schools. But the last time the Eastern Washington was six and zero in any season, guess how many years that was? Ago. I don't know. Six? 54 years ago. They have not been 6 and 0 in a season since 1967 uh, when they won That's they won crazy. their first 11 games and they lost in the NAIA championship game. They were in the NAIA at the time. <laughs> they have not been 6 and 0 in yeah. 54 years, which kind of blew my mind like I said just with their success in the Big Sky. Then you also have I mean and they even beat they even beat uh, some of those FBS teams back when they had like Cooper Cup and stuff. So kind of a crazy stat that they uh they haven't done that. It'll be great when they go back down to the NAIA in like five or six years and try and avenge that loss uh, in 1967. But uh, another couple cool stats for Eastern. They're one of the eight yeah. remaining FCS teams that are undefeated. And it's their best start, obviously, since joining the FCS in 1984. So there's your Eastern Washington stats. Because um, apparently we're now an Eastern Washington podcast after this little segment. Yeah, look, I, yeah. I mean... yeah. What's what's uh, what's not to like? Uh, I'm excited uh, for not this weekend. Obviously, the Cats have uh, Weber State, but next weekend, uh, Eastern Washington's playing Weber, and that's going to be just an absolute. You know, there, there's just so much on the line for that game. There's Eastern plays such a hard schedule that we're going to see them play yeah. Weber, Montana State, and UC Davis by the end of the year, and. If they come through that undefeated, even if they come through that with one loss, like that is a team to be feared when it comes playoff time. Yeah, I think uh, Eastern Washington uh, is the team to beat right now in the big sky. So if there is a awkward pause in this recording as you're listening to this, everybody, uh, we did have some technical difficulties there. We lost uh, we lost each other momentarily. But unlike the Grizz Fan Podcast, we were able yes. to pivot, save the audio, and we will be releasing this this week. Yes. No matter, no matter what. what, Nate and I will find each other and release exactly. an episode. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> the next game, <laughs> we've lost all of our uh, actual momentum here. But, you know, I'm just going to jump ahead and go to the Idaho versus Portland State game. Um, I'm going off oh, script yeah, here please. just to get to this game. We were going to check in with Brian Marceau, but Bear Tycoon uh, – some libations <laughs> before the show pushed us back a little bit. Again, we found each other. Again, we're making this work. We weren't able to connect with Brian Marceau. So all of my like research on this Idaho-Portland uh, State game was going to be based on uh, him, basically. He was going to take my portion of it, do all the legwork. Now I'm looking at this. Uh, I'm going to just go off the top here, I'll kind of off the cuff. All the statistics, when I look at these, say that uh, Portland State should have won their second Big Sky Conference game. But it was the Vandals who got their first Big Sky W of the season on uh, last Saturday. Uh, one cool thing that I noticed right away, because I'm a sucker for box scores, every single score was a touchdown and an extra point. We didn't have any field goals, safeties, two-point conversions. Yeah, super nice. It was nice to look at. 
Uh, and the teams combined for over 1,030 yards of offense uh, between the two. They had zero turnovers. This was a 100% uh, <laughs> just offensive explosion in Moscow. Yes. And I know who won. I don't even think I said the a, score. Yeah. I know who won 42-35 to 35 <laughs> in Portland State. Despite Portland State putting up 21 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, has there ever been a more exciting um, uh, game that no one cared about? Like, this was objectively a good game, good numbers, big offense, a lot of stuff going on. The Kibbe Dome was rocking uh, the same, you know, this, during the same week where ESPN featured it yeah. on their front page. Great win for the Vandals, but, like... I don't know anyone outside of the Tubbs at the clubs guy who tuned in. Yeah. I mean, it would have been a fun game to watch. Like, honestly, if you were betting on this game, uh, obviously the over probably was hit in the third. Well, maybe not even the third quarter because they scored 28 in the fourth. But uh, this would have been a fun one to watch if you had some money on it for sure. You know, like Davis Alexander, 424 yards of passing, four touchdowns. Uh, one of his, you know, one of the running backs, Malik Walker from Portland State, had 132 yards rushing. Uh, one of their receivers had 196 yards receiving and two touchdowns. Like that was just, and that was for the losing <laughs> team. Yes. Crazy. And But Idaho's like overall numbers weren't as, no, weren't as it's impressive. the weirdest game. Right. If you look, if you just looked at purely uh, offensive output, yeah. you would not, you would not assume that this was a Idaho. Yeah, Idaho, Idaho had 236 yards rushing. That they had what five ball carriers with over with four or more touches. They averaged 6.1 yards per carry. Four touchdowns on the ground. They had some really long runs. Uh, weird game. Like yeah, like I said at the top, was like statistically, if you just showed me this box score without the score, I would have said probably Portland State. Like if they didn't show the touchdowns, too, yeah. obviously because that's kind of a giveaway. But I would have said you know Portland State. 40 to Idaho's 21, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was much closer. So hats off to the Vandals, man. Like, and they what, finally how, did it. They how bad finally, do you, finally. How bad do you feel if you're Davis Alexander and no turnovers? You play a pretty much near perfect game at quarterback. Like I said, 424 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. 16 incompletions, so you're well over 50% on your, you know, your completion attempt ratio. Like, that sucks to lose this game if you're Davis Alexander. You did everything that you could. That defense really did him no favors on Saturday. Yeah, and it kind of makes you wonder, um, yeah, what David – well, first off, question number one, what year is Davis Alexander – he has more eligibility beyond this year, right? Like, is he, is he, is he long for Portland State? He may have been a grad transfer. He's definitely Someone not a grad transfer. Look into this, Jerry Nate. But like, I feel like he has more eligibility beyond this year, and losing a game like this does not help keep him around. He's a senior. He's a senior. I. Okay. Well, does he have a grad year? I have no idea. Last year. I stand corrected. Okay, yeah, we're not a we're not a recruitment or uh, eligibility guys. Um, but yeah, it sucks for him. He played his mind like he played his yeah. I know he what you're going to say. Game, game of the year. Uh, Look how many yards he put up. Uh, 
yeah. So Davis Alexander, senior, no more eligibility after this year. I think is how it works. Um, some of his hobbies, though, <laughs> some of his hobbies. Awesome. One of his hobbies included leadership. So there you go. Oh yeah, that really that really showed this yeah. past. So year. that was that was Portland State, Idaho, and again, apologies to Tubbs at the club uh, for not really disparaging this game, but just not paying as much of attention as we could have. And also apologies to Brian Marceau, who, where while it looks like I stood him up from calling in uh, to our podcast. Uh, the real story was that uh, our time, our recording time, got pushed back further and further um, due to some unforeseen extracurricular activities by one of the podcast hosts. Yes. Yes, and we forgive you, Nate, for for your delays, but we're just happy we could get an episode um, in, the, in the books. Um, but yeah, look, if you're an Idaho fan, this has been a long time coming. We are now in mid-October. You finally had an you did FCS game that you can uh, that you can win. That's true. Congratulations, um, to Idaho! Beat, you beat yeah, Portland State. Yeah, they have a lot and, of momentum. A and lot for, of momentum. And because of that yeah. win, they get to go to the Inferno and play a insanely hot Eastern Washington team right now. Which this would be yes. amazing, and we'll talk about coming yes. up the games coming up this weekend. But that if they won that, that would be unbelievable. Yeah, that might be a first-round pick um, for our drafting of games to cover next week. The last-round pick, um, and I think last week when we drafted the games, uh, this was last. Southern Utah, truly their last you know, run in the Big Sky Conference, got decimated by Portland State, 24-7 to at halftime. Sac State. This, game this is Sac State. They played Sac State. Never close. Sac State. Same colors. Yeah, no, sorry. You said Portland what did State. I say? Oh, yeah, no. Southern Utah, Sacramento State, um, never close. 24-7 at halftime, 41-20 final score. Um, we learned before the game that Elijah Dodson had left Sac State's program uh, for personal reasons. It sucks that um, he's no longer there. He's been awesome to watch. Um, best of luck to him, whatever, you know, whatever he is dealing with um, outside of the program. But, uh, you know, this, it didn't matter if he was there or not. Sac State just absolutely you know, rolled them. And I think that it's easier to kind of loop them in with the UC Davis type program as now the two mid tier teams in the conference. Um, but it was, uh, you know, I think as a Grizz fan, knowing that they're coming in next week, like I'm a little worried about Sac state. I think they're a little frisky. I think they've shown that they can lay the beat yeah. down when needed. They're not a bottom no, tier I mean, team. What was your takeaway? My takeaway is that Sac state can't pass the ball anymore. Either that or they didn't need to against Southern Utah. But I think it's more of like they can't pass the ball anymore. They don't have that talented quarterback that they did um, when they were running through the conference. You know, yeah. Jake Dunaway only completed – I mean, they completed 17 passes uh, against Southern Utah, a defense that's not good. Uh, and Asher O'Hara yeah. is now a running quarterback. Like, they, they did let him pass the ball four times, and he completed all four of those passes. But Asher O'Hara is now a running quarterback. Like he was, you know, the last couple of weeks. But this one proves he had a he had, he led the team in carries, had seventy three yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Like yeah, this team is one a total one eighty of where they were when they were running through the conference with what with uh, with old what's his name, uh, the quarterback that they had on there. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Kevin I forgot him already. Uh, with Kevin Thompson, like this is a total one eighty from that team. Oh, what's his what's name? His uh, and they did, sadly, which I mean, it does suck that they lost Dotson. It, it sucks more that he has the family issues that led him to not be playing football anymore. That's the sucky part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But 
you know, they, they backfilled for him. They had, I don't know how many guys get an official carry in this game, like seven, uh, seven dudes get official carries in this game. Yeah, and they racked up 251 yeah. yards on the ground. Like, just a totally different team. I don't. I did not obviously watch this game. I will refuse to watch any Southern Utah game this year. But uh, I can't tell if it's That's they fair. don't pass the ball because they didn't need to against Southern Utah. I mean, Southern Utah sucks, and they just wanted to ground and pound it. But just such a different team than what they were. I have no idea what to expect yeah. this weekend uh, when they go to the Grizz. One thing I do know is that I still hate Southern Utah with a passion. Oh, me too. I mean, I'm so glad they lost this game. Um, they don't deserve to be in the same conversation as someone like Sacramento State. But it was a... I, I don't think, Nate, that their troubles through the air can be pointed to like them trying to hide something or them trying to be cute going into future weeks. I think that they know, and Troy Taylor, who's a great coach, knows that to win, they need to be a run first team. And so they're going to get some yards through the air. This is not a complete, you know, abandonment of the passing game, but they are going to get primary. Their offense is going to be run on the ground and that is where they're going to, they're going to win games. This was by far probably their most impressive win of the year. Idaho like, State else? by two. <laughs> if you look at their schedule, beat Idaho State by two. They beat Dixie State by 12. Like, this was kind of their signature win of the year. And looking at, like, Montana State's schedule, when you beat it, when you play a bad team, you want to beat them big. I feel like they beat them big. 21 points is not uh, indicative of, like, what a blowout this this game actually The crazy is. part about Sacramento State, and, you know, they have not been impressive in any way, shape, or form this year. Um, they're, they're, they're number three in the conference right now. Obviously we're only two and three games into this conference season, depending on which team you've looked at, but they're number three in the conference right now at two and oh, they've got two big sky wins and you know, they take that undefeated record into Montana next weekend, uh, in what's going to be a, it's going to definitely be an interesting game to watch a fun game to watch. Um, I don't think, I I honestly don't think they win. We'll get to that, but interesting. I mean, it's just kind of funny that they're sitting up there two and oh in the conference right now. We've kind of forgotten about them since they just really aren't as fun to watch anymore without Thompson, uh, without Dotson. It's just kind yeah. of a, it's a sneaky, weird team. And we've talked about it every single podcast. After this Montana game, they basically get Montana State's opening schedule. <laughs> they play Portland State, Cal Poly, Northern Colorado, and NAU. So, right. Uh, they kind of – they just have the, most, the easiest schedule of any team in the Big Sky. These guys could win the damn Big Sky this year. Yeah, and look, if you go back um, uh, to 2019, the last full season, I feel like we could be making the exact same case yeah. for Sac State, where through four games, they were 2-2. Two and two. They had a big win over Division II Southern Utah. They had a big win over Northern Colorado, and they had two FBS losses. And we kind of started to write them off. It's like, all right, like they're probably like, nine, 10 in the conference. And then they went on a streak where they beat Eastern Washington. They beat the cats in Bozeman and then they beat Montana Um, and they beat Montana convincingly 49, 22. And all of a sudden they were five and two. They beat Cal Poly the next week. They were six and two and they went on to win the conference. Like they are, they're hanging around and they got a tough schedule. Yeah. They got, they got tough games like going into, Playing Montana is not going to be an easy thing to do, but 
but Sac State has the talent to to go on and do uh, some Sac damage State. this year. So this will be a big, big win. This would be a big yeah, win. If, I mean, if Sac State wins this game against the Grizz, they're going to get a share of the Big Sky Town or Big Sky Conference. Is my prediction. Yeah, if they get through this Grizz game, they'll be three because the the last remaining tough game they, they have, Davis, is and eight. it's the uh, it's the Causeway Classic. It's not a home game, but it's as close as you can get to a home game. It's a rivalry game. Anything can happen there. I mean, if they win yeah. this Grizz game, they are going to have a share of the Big Sky Conference. Is my is my prediction. Yeah, they're three and two. None of their wins are awesome, um, but if they can sneak this win out, all of a sudden they are now they've made a a four team race for the top of the conference into it's a insane. five team. It's race. something we never thought would be happening with Portland State. Uh, or I'm sorry, geez, with Sac State. Yeah, um, yeah, just Sac an State. amazingly easy schedule from the Big Sky Conference uh, given to Sac State, and they're going to be the benefactors once again of this unbalanced scheduling that totally sucks but like we keep talking about it's not up to the teams to make this schedule you go out there and play the games and Sac State for the last two full seasons last two real seasons is definitely just reaping the benefits of this shitty unbalanced scheduling that the Big Sky has well that was last week's games yeah oh you want to yeah that was last week no 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 that's it so we got forward well, we have, we have uh, the game of the week is obviously going to be Montana State traveling down to Ogden, Utah to play Weber State. This game on ESPNU. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Friday night under the lights. Awesome. It's going to be fantastic. This game, uh, at the beginning of the year, you probably would have said Weber State's going to be favored by a touchdown in this game, right? You probably would say when we were looking through the schedule, if you wanted to go yep. through and do a spread for every game just based off of Previous seasons, kind of your gut feeling, you would have thought Weber was going to be favored in this one. I think going into this game, we don't have the lines yet, but Montana State is either going to be a pick or Montana State may be favored, is my opinion, with the body of work going into this Yeah, game. so, I mean, I think that, yeah, I don't want to step on Montana Parlay's toes here, um, his guest oh, line segment. Um, I would guess, yeah, my guess would be that that uh, Weber is going to be a slight favorite that, slight favorite in this game, but this goes back to my point from earlier in the episode where I think Montana State is the lock of the <laughs> You state. can't jinx it. I don't believe their in offense, it. Their offense, I don't defense, believe in it. They're clinking. Yeah, they're in sync, man. Like, it is, this is not me jinxing you. This is, Montana State needs a signature victory to kind of get the monkey off their shoulders of like, oh, these guys can sure. be really awful schools or non-scholarship schools. Um, they know that. No, you do have a point there, yeah. and this is actually a huge. This is a huge game. Happens. I mean, for all of the obvious reasons, it's a, ma- a massive game in the schedule for both teams. But for Brent Vegan, uh, he can do something that his predecessor never did. Choate never beat Eastern Washington. Choate never beat Weber State. Vegan can go down there in his first trip against the Wildcats and beat them, and have it be one of the big. It's going to be the biggest. Not if they win this game. It'll be the biggest non-Cat Grizz regular season win in the last six years for Montana State. Yeah, It has the... I mean, this game right here is going to set the tone for the rest of Montana State's season. This is where you can stop talking about the schedule and you start and people in the national polls, uh, you know, other FCS... There's no such thing as an expert. Everybody else is talking about the FCS can finally put Montana State into kind of that real top 10. They're yeah. in the top 10, but everybody talks about their schedule. Montana State gets 
But no one, uh, to your point though, no one is taking them seriously as a top tier FCS team, right? Like they're, I think they have the talent to be that, but no one is considering them on the level of like Correct. Eastern Washington. Yep. No one's consider, considering them on the level as a North Dakota state. You guys are a playoff team, proudly ranked in the top 10, but just based on the games that you've played, nothing to like, there's no signature win. And this is why we can get into this in a bit. Why I had Montana still ahead of Montana state in my power rankings, but like Montana state needs that signature win. This is their first opportunity and only opportunity. Oh yeah. This month. is, I mean, this, there's, there's just no way around this being just one of the biggest games in the last five years for Montana state, six years for Montana state, just in terms of momentum, in terms of reputation, yeah. in terms of the fear they put into the rest of the big sky and FCS, are they going to be seated in the playoffs when it comes uh, when we get done with the regular season? So uh, you know Weber State's an interesting team, huge aspirations. They were preseason Big Sky Conference favorites. They they get they beat Dixie State and then lose two in a row, one to James Madison, who I think at the time was number two or number three, top five easily, uh, and then they lose to UC Davis seventeen to fourteen in a very boring seventeen. It was a very boring game. Um, you know, UC Davis not looking like yep. the team we thought. They, they were definitely didn't look like the number seven team last weekend. James Madison loses last weekend as well. It's just a, it's such an interesting Weber game. Like, you don't know who you're going to get. Like, in my mind, based on the last, what, four, three or four years of which Weber running the conference and getting rings every year, I still think of them as a, a yeah. really good defensive team with – you know, an okay offense that can get the job done. And I think this Weber State team does have a good D. They're number four in the conference right now. I just don't think that their offense is even close to what it was last year. And last year, it wasn't even that great. So I think Montana State, they do get them off. They do they get them yeah, off I the mean, bye, look, which is very worrisome. But I think Montana State is the more complete team. Yeah. So I think so too. And look, Weber has, they came into this year knowing that their offense was a little shaky and they've had nothing but injuries at the quarterback position at the running back position. Um, and you can maybe point to that, to some of the disappointments this year, the fact that their um, starting quarterback, whose name I always forget if it's Baron Bronson, Bronson Baron, it's Bronson, Bronson Baron, some combination. Yeah. Bronson Baron, Bronson Baron, Baron Bronson, is uh, he's coming back this week. The Weber State Weekly guys have said that he will start versus the Cats. That's their, that's their expectation. Um, having, good, having a quarterback come back after a long break is, you know, that's not necessarily an upgrade over, you know, the quarterbacks you've had in position the past couple of weeks. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the drama in the Weber State locker room, um, you know, how that is affecting their overall performance. Um at the end of the day, guys, Weber State, Montana State playing them this weekend, you are the schedule that you play. Like all you can all you can point to is the games that you played. And it sucks for uh Weber that you know they had to play Utah week one. Um it sucks that their two FCS wins are against Dixie State and Cal Poly, who stink. And then they also had these other two losses, like for two teams who will likely be in the playoffs. But if you're a playoff team, you shouldn't go 0-2 against yeah, other playoffs. I mean, like, if Weber State deserves to be in the playoffs, 
you know, especially that Davis game, you know, that that is that's a that's a tough look for you. This is a must win for them. I mean, they had their quarterback Kylan Weiser, uh, Kylan Weiser, for who, sure. Oh, for who, sure. Uh, got injured. We didn't even know the injury until the we we state weekly guys told us he was the number ten quarterback in the conference. He had thrown for like five hundred and fifty yards uh, in his four games. So serviceable quarterback play, I suppose. But then Bronson Barron coming back, it's going to be – I mean, Montana State has not made it easy um, on opposing quarterbacks. They did let Davis Alexander cook a little bit. He's a good quarterback, though, obviously. You know, he's the number two quarterback yeah. in the big sky, so it's going to happen. Only second to Eric Barriere, who's a video game quarterback. So, you know, Barron coming back after a break against a very good – the number two defense in the big sky conference, I believe, in Montana State right now. Um yeah, the number two, or actually the number one defense if you're looking at scoring average, and the number one defense yeah. if you're looking at average yards per game. You know, number one, number one defense when it comes to passing yards. This is a tough assignment for for any quarterback to come into, let alone a backup quarterback who hasn't played the last couple of weeks. And Montana State, I mean, I think Vegan has them hungry for this game. They sh- they wanted to beat Wyoming. They think they should have beat Wyoming. Then they had to play this cakewalk of a schedule. I think they're just as ready to get to a team like Weaver to prove themselves as the fans are to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you want to play the best. You want to beat the best. And this is Montana State's yeah. opportunity. They now have a legitimate uh, argument to be top 10 in the country. They have a legitimate argument, though I think a wrong argument to be number two in the big sky. Um, you can yeah. prove it this week. You can, you know, shut up the doubters or, you know, like there, there's just a lot on the line. The fact that this game is on ESPN Hats off to the Big Sky Conference for getting this ESPN contract again. The ESPN2 game was awesome. ESPN Plus has been awesome. Um, and it'll be fun to watch a, a you know, a professional yeah, no, that's broadcast be, of a meaningful that's Big fantastic. Sky game. And really, it's going to be, you know, fun. The I think rushing is going to be, I mean, it's Montana State's calling card, but with McKay, it's been nicer to open up the passing game, and it's probably helped the rushing game. So the, yeah. the rushing has been Montana State's calling card for years, and they're the number one rushing offense right now in the Big Sky, one of the top in the FCS. Weber State's rushing defense is number three right now. That's pretty good uh, here in the Big Sky. So it's really going to be Montana State's first test save for Wyoming uh, on what they can do on the ground against a top-tier FCS defense. Weber's offense, though, that's where I think this game is the the turning point. Is Weber State's middle of the pack, number seven. They're right under Northern Arizona, actually, in offense. uh, Right ahead of Sacramento State. So, you know, they're the middle of the ground. And Montana State, like we said, is... Uh, the number one defense in the conference right now, probably a little bit benefactor, a benefactor of the schedule. But either way, Montana State has a very good defense. I think this is the the kind of the turning point in this game is going to be Montana State's ability to uh, neutralize the passing game and hopefully key in on you know Josh Davis and uh, their other they're reading they're leading rushers on even Josh Davis it's Dante McMillan this year, but neither neither of those guys have yeah. over 300 yards on the season. So uh, you know it's. I think that's really where Montana State has the advantage in this game is is that rush defense. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, I think that you cannot set the underline low enough where I won't take the under this game. Like, I don't think there's going to be a lot of points this game. I think Weber State's defense is awesome. Montana State, I think, is going to be able to handle their the Wildcats offense, no problem. And I think the end result of that is a very, very, very close game. But of course, Bobcats are a lock. I would say 13 to 7. All right. I, I'm going to go a little bit higher than that, but I'm not going to make a guess because I'm, uh, 
I'm a fan and I can't do that to my team. Sure. Well, no, and we've already talked about this next game a little bit. Sac State going to Montana, how massive a game this is for both squads. Uh, Montana coming off a little bit of a weird game yeah. against Dixie State. Sac State coming off a, a win. And like we like literally just got done talking about if Sac State gets somehow gets this win this weekend, they have basically a red carpet rolled out to them for the front of the Big Sky Conference down to the last weekend of the season. Yeah. It, I mean, it's... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who has more pressure on them this weekend. Like I, I keep going back and forth. The Grizz need this win. Like it would be a very nice win for the Grizz to also kind of move into a easier chunk of their schedule. Um, the Grizz, if they can get this win, they go Idaho, Southern Utah, Northern Colorado, NAU before they face the Cats at the end of the year. Sac State, if they can get this win, goes NAU, Northern Colorado, Cal Poly, Portland State. Like both those teams can rack up some big time yeah. wins. Um, but to guarantee themselves like a playoff spot, top playoff spot, you kind of need to win this game. You can get into the playoffs with a loss here, either of those teams, but there's going to be more pressure going forward and you're probably not going to get a, a, a prime spot of, yeah. uh, 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 home games in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah it's going to be, it's going to be a fun one. So, I mean, look, we, we have talked about this. I, yeah, I encourage everybody to, download, listen to, delete, download uh, the Grizz Fan Podcast, the number one podcast in the state of Montana. They're going to go into this game uh, in great detail. Um, Mike, Brent, Luke, and James going into this game in great detail. So nuts and bolts, go check that out. But it is, this is a, this is going to be a very fun game. Um, I'm pumped to see the outcome. You know, Chris Brown struggled last week initially. I was pretty happy with his play at the end of the game, um, the goal last week was to blow out Dixie State. We didn't do that. He came away with a victory. The goal in this game is just to get a W. And so the Grizz, Chris Brown, they just need to put something together to get a win this weekend. It's going to be a lot harder than against yeah, Dixie Sacramento State. Sacramento State right now is 145 in the Sagarin, so it puts them by you know Rhode Island, Bowling Green, Vanderbilt of the FBS. So they're... You know, in the big, if you compare them to the sure. rest of the Big Sky Conference, uh, Sac State, just Sagarin wise, is like just right there, kind of where we have them in our power rankings, six in the Big Sky, fifth in the Big Sky. Oh, yeah, six in the Big Sky. So it's right where yeah. we have them in our power rankings. So it's going to be the Grizz's second kind of test of the year after Eastern Washington's obvious test. They're, you know, a top 100 Sagarin team. So the Sacramento State team, second best team they've played in the FCS this year. Uh, when you look at the stats, I think where I look at it is Sacramento State's rushing is kind of what they've shown lately is what they're going to get more involved in because their quarterback play just doesn't seem great. The Grizz rushing defense right now is number one yep. in the conference, only allowing 60.6 yards a game. Uh, and Sac State's rushing offense right now is number eight. So I think they're in for a rough day when it comes to uh, if they're going to try and run the ball on the Grizz. And then you look at it, the Grizz passing defense got kind of their stats are a little bit skewed because they played Eastern Washington, obviously. So they're actually in the bottom half of the league in, in passing defense. Yeah. So if Sac State, if they can get something going with Dunaway and Asher Roth, I think Asher Roth is that the guy who sang college. I think Asher Roth is the guy who had that song called college. <laughs> Asher O'Hara is the quarterback for Sacramento State. Yeah. Uh, you know, they need to get something. That's going to be how they get anything going on this game, I think, is they have to pass the yeah. ball because the Grizz aren't going to give them any, anything on the ground. But like you said, the Grizz fan pod. Yeah, and I would I would kind of caution 
Yeah, I mean, look, I'd kind of caution Grizz fans um, across the board to set your expectations low on the initial part of this game. Okay, when you look at how the Grizz have started in the first half every game this year against Washington, they were down seven to three going into halftime. Western Illinois that we look back on with like this dominant offensive performance going into halftime. Only 21-7. Nice lead, not a dominant lead. Cal Poly, 18 to nothing at the half for the Grizz. And that was like a very disappointing 18 points. Dixie State, obviously, 3-0 at the half. We're going to start out slow. And Sac State is better than the other teams I just listed off, besides Washington. Um, but they're very talented. They're going to uh, they're going to keep this game close, and we're going to start out slow. It's going to be a dogfight till the end of the game. So I think that should be the expectation going in. Um, and this is very generic to say, but like you have to minimize mistakes. And yeah, well, let's see if Chris Brown can do that against a, a talented yeah, FCS. It's going to be fun. To, I mean, it's going to be another one of those games that we get Montana State at Weber. So that's obviously the, the game of the week. But then you know we do get two of the top six teams yeah. in the Big Sky playing. Uh, when some weeks we don't quite get those interesting games besides the ones we, you know, our teams, but our, both of our teams are playing in very, very important and interesting games uh, this weekend. Yep. Yep. And then the rest of the games in the league. I think I get first pick um, this week. Not as I get exciting. first pick this week. Yeah. And I'm going to go. A little better. Not, not, they're, they're a little yeah. better than the past couple weeks, but uh, not – not awesome. And Nate, yeah, you do. I got first pick last week. So every week, Nate and I, one of us takes the lead in going through all the Big Sky games. Um, guys, there's a lot of games that we don't care about, but we still cover them for you, the fans, the Big Sky Conference fans. Um, this year, we divided up by a fantasy draft. Um, this week, Nate will get a pick first and third. I go second and fourth, describing or picking the games that we will then describe next week. Nate, you get the number one pick in this in this. Uh, yeah, this, this week. Episode. So just a note, Cal Poly is the only team off this week. So thank God for their sake that they're not playing this week. Uh, they're not going to get absolutely piss-pounded. Yeah. But, uh, I'm going to go with my first pick, Idaho Eastern Washington. Uh, if I'm not mis- great game. Ooh, great if game. I'm not mistaken, in the fake season last year, Idaho beat Eastern Washington. Am I accurate in saying that? They, so they played twice. Okay. They split. Idaho won that game where they kicked that oh, field yeah. goal or Eastern kicked that field goal. And it was like, it was either called no good or good. And they weren't allowed to look That's at the right. video replay. There's some bad blood, but Idaho, Idaho beat them in the spring season once. And they beat them last, the last full real season. Eastern. Oh yeah, they did. Idaho got them 35, 27 in 2019. So they've won two out of the last three yep. meetings. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen this time, but uh, I think it's going to be an interesting game. It's a rivalry over there. They're not too far apart uh, in terms of geography. So I think that'll be probably the, if we're not going to look at the Montana State, Montana games for which ones we find most interesting. That's why I had to pick that one. Uh, it's always fun when you can see what Barry area is going to yeah. do anyway. So regardless of who they're playing, it's always interesting to look at that box score and just kind of be wowed at his quarterback play. So I had to go with the Vandals taking on uh, Eastern Washington and Cheney. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I mean, this is, I think you can make the argument that this is the second best game of the weekend um, over Montana Sac State. I would still take the Cats and, or I'm sorry, the Grizz and the Hornets because in that game, like if the if the Grizz loses, Sac State loses, there's still some you know, repercussions there. But 
Uh, Idaho State, yeah. Idaho. They got a good defense. They got a frisky little quarterback. And, and uh, yeah, Idaho's got a good defense, frisky little quarterback, and they want to uh, – they think that know, they can hang with they beat them. So, to, to be determined. If they beat them on the Inferno, it'll if be they beat them. the first time oh, in boy. 20 games that anybody's beat Eastern on the Inferno. While I defended the Inferno last week, it would be nice to end any impressive streak around the Inferno okay. going. So what's your? No one's gonna no, miss no. those streaks. <laughs> what's your? What's your first round? Uh, first round pick two pick. Yeah, so my first round pick uh, is is I think an easy one. Uh, Northern Colorado, UC Davis. Um, I think that we were all very high on UC Davis. I think there's good reason to be high on UC Davis. Um, last week, their loss was a bit of a mess, but let's see what they can do against uh, Northern Colorado. Eastern Washington um, handled these guys last weekend. Montana State handled these guys. Let's just see if UC Davis can put up similar numbers or are they actually a middle-tier Yep, I think you're right. I think this is a game that UC Davis has to get the – believers back and has to absolutely crush Northern Colorado just like the Cats and just like Eastern Washington did. So I'll be watching for that same thing. And I'm yeah. looking for uh, Hunter Rodriguez to have a field day against this Northern Colorado D. Yeah, come on, Hunter. Yeah. So I, I would agree that would have been where I would have gone uh, if I had that pick, but I don't. And luckily, since I don't have the last pick, I'm going to go with Idaho State, Portland State for Oof. my second pick. Both yeah, the last games. But stink. this game, I think uh, – is I think Portland State absolutely kills Idaho State because Idaho State's on the road. So I'm going to go that this is a trend. I'm going to go that this is not just the smallest data point of all time. I'm going to go with Portland State's going to beat Idaho State because they're going to Hillsboro. Idaho State can't play on the road. Davis Alexander, we'll see if he has any more success than Hunter uh, Rodriguez did uh, last weekend. Just to, I mean, just kind of see if that was a fluke for Davis or if Idaho State yeah. is weirdly kind of for real not that we're ever really gonna have to worry about them this year besides probably playing spoiler but uh just an interesting game coming off of that win against the number seven team in the country to see how they follow that up if they're motivated if they have a letdown game if they're on the road so they can't get anything going it's at hillsborough stadium which sucks and sucks the life out of teams uh, as we've seen so uh, i think portland state wins yes. this game just kind of one of those games you want to look at to see how idaho state bounces back uh from a season-defining win against davis yeah, I think I think Davis is yeah what they're gonna look back on when you go golfing. You just want a couple good shots on the on the course to look back on. This is why I keep playing Idaho State. Looking back at UC Davis, that'll be that game. That'll be their long putt that brings them back the to football next team. season. Um, Portland State here, yeah, Portland State. It's like I'm just I'm I'm exhausted talking about them or even trying to like have an opinion of them that I care about. Like they are just like firmly bottom half, bottom third team in the big sky. They don't have a, like, at least Idaho has a fun fan base. At least they have people coming out. At least out they have their own stadium. Supporting them at least. <laughs> yeah. At least they have their own stadium. At least like Davis has like, you know, this potential, at least UNC has the McCaffrey family in every corner of that organization. Like Portland state, like Bruce Barnum's a nice coach, but it, it, it's just not enough for me to care about this team. If they win this game, then we have to pretend for a couple more weeks that they're frisky and maybe they're top five, maybe top six, and 
they're they're just not. We all know they're not. No one cares about them. And if Bruce Barnum wasn't a likable guy, we would not care about Portland State at all. Yeah, no, we wouldn't care about them at all. Um, just no atmosphere. Just they're not. They're they're nothing to us really. So I just had to pick that game yeah. obviously because the only reason I'm going to tune into this game is yeah, I'm tuning into this game because it'll be funny to see like what camera setup they have for their ESPN Plus feed. But like, I'm not actually going to sure. watch this game. That's a good point. Um, so my last pick, uh, which is somehow even more depressing, <laughs> Southern Utah, um, <laughs> uh, going on the road to play Northern Arizona. Um, I'm not excited to watch this. I will watch this because of you all, the fans. I want to have a full recap of what happened there. Um, it, I mean, neither of these teams are, are fun to watch. Um, I'd be fine to cut them out of the Big Sky Conference, but we will watch Northern Arizona wins. They presume, they, which they should. Um, big. They'll get up to three and three. They'll get up two and one in the Big Sky. So we're gonna have to talk about them a, a while longer. But I don't think anyone seriously thinks Northern Arizona is in the Big Sky Conference yeah, it's, conversation. It's funny. Northern Arizona is number seven in the conference on offense and defense, like total offense, total defense. Southern Utah is number eleven in the conference. Southern Utah is yeah. number eleven in the conference for both offense and defense. I mean, it's just. It's a sucky game to have to. to <laughs> That's perfect. That's it a is. great seven way and to 11, describe this Seven game. and eleven, two teams that you know are pretty depressing in time. Northern Arizona getting that weird win at Arizona, then losing to UNC. Uh, Southern Utah just being completely depressing from yeah. everything between where they're located to their uniforms to them going to the WAC next year. Let's just get yeah. Let's get let's all agree on one thing this year, and that is that. Southern Utah deserves to lose the oh, rest 100%. of their games. They're leaving the conference. They've given nothing to the conference. They should be underdogs in the rest of their games. I guess they have a showdown with Northern Colorado in a couple weeks. Um, but let's just, let's just, let's see if we can get them to zero more victories yeah. by the end. And of that's, that's, that's your round. That's kind of your conference roundup for the week. What's going ahead. Like we said, we're lucky. We get two of the best games uh, being having our teams in it. So we'll be watching those, no doubt. And then, you know, Idaho, Eastern Washington is really the only other game that has, well, I mean, Davis has some playoff potential, but yep. still a better week than it was last week in terms of games um, and the matchups that we're going to have. So fun weekend ahead of us. Looking at kind of just the rankings that we have right now in the FCS, going through the top 25 real quick, not a ton changed last week in terms of how many teams we have in the uh, in the top 25 polls. Eastern did move up to number two in the country, though. So we do have the number two team uh, in the country in the Big Sky Conference. They jumped yeah, up. Well yeah, they jumped up two spots after South Dakota State and James Madison lost. Montana's, Montana jumped up one spot to number five. Uh, thanks to both of those teams losing as well. South Dakota State and James Madison. And Montana State jumped up one spot from 10 to 9, so they are in the top 10. So the Big Sky Conference, again, with three teams uh, in the top 10. Davis was the one, a big dropout, lost six spots after their loss to Idaho State. They are number 13 in the conference now, and then rounding out the Big Sky Conference in the top 25, Weber State stayed steady at number 19 after uh, a bye week. So... Again, uh, none of the Big Sky Conference teams fell out of the top 25. There was a little bit of movement uh, with Davis falling back and the other three teams going up. But it's still pretty good showing for, for the Big Sky Conference in the top 25 polls. Yeah, and truly nothing in these polls that I have anything to complain about. Like, I, I, I think that Big Sky power rankings national rankings. I'm, I'm like, I think we have like a good sense of where 
yeah. team stand, right? Like, I, and I'm, I, I love that Eastern's number two in the country. That is, they have been, uh, they, they've just, they've not had a, a weak moment this entire season. They should be number two. They should be towards the top. I, I, I can't, I can't compare them against uh, the number one team because we don't watch non Big Sky Conference games. But um, yeah, man, like they, this is a complete FCS team. They've yeah, been awesome. and I think how cool to be. I'm just kind of looking at this top 25. How cool to be if Montana, Montana State, South Dakota, South Dakota State, uh, and North Dakota, North Dakota State could all be in the same conference. Like we all border each other. We're all state schools, and like you know, it'd just be fun if we could have some symmetry yeah. with all all the Dakotas plus Montana in the one same conference. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Bring in the Idaho. Yeah, bring the Idaho State. Wyoming, Idaho. Yeah, let's just make, let's just embrace, let's just, yeah, bring, let's just embrace being this like regional G5 That actually has states in their name. Um, with some. Yeah, that actually has like the teams. state in their name. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be fun. That'd be fun. That's just yes, a little amusing exactly. from me let's looking just, at the top. Let's just embrace it. Yeah, count me in. Well, uh, we're getting to that point of the show where we've kind of gone through everything. We have the Alex Singleton watch. You want me to just get to that right now? It's actually really impressive. Please, yeah. So Singleton it. last weekend against the Carolina Panthers, 14 tackles, 10 of them solo, and has moved into the top Ooh. five for total tackles in the NFL this season. <laughs> That's that's, that's pretty cool. really awesome. So fantastic job. Congratulations, Alex Singleton, for that one. We good for really him. like seeing that. So uh, congratulations there. It's always a good Alex Singleton watch when it's, you know, he's a captain. He's making tackles. It's everything we needed uh, for a watch, even after he left. Yeah, our even captain. after he left uh, Calgary. Eagles captain, our podcast, our podcast captain. captain for sure. We love him. But that was everything I had on my agenda for today's class. Do you have anything else uh, that you had you wanted to go over before we we get out of here? I think that's it, man. I'm trying to see when the Eagles have a it's bye December. week. I think sometime in December. Up before sometime in December, maybe that maybe that uh, matches up uh, with the Bobcat uh, playoff oh. game, so we can get Alex on and talk about this. But yeah, I mean him dominating. That's it's just so much fun to see. But yeah, other than that, dude, it's been. It was a good week in football. We got another good week coming up for Big Sky Conference and uh, Friday, night. Friday night. Everybody watching that. What's one. not to like? Let's watch that uh, Bobcat. Yep, it's gonna be a fun game. one. Uh, really looking forward to seeing that, and that also opens up a little bit of my Saturday too. Having the Montana State game kind of just out of the way, you can, you know, relax a little bit more on Saturday without having to be nervous for that game. So will be a fun one. Looking forward totally. to it. Once again, yeah. this is Hot Take Nate and Bear Tycoon. We are out of here and ready for all the games of Week Seven. Bye, everybody.